On today's episode, we welcome poet Gaia Rajan, author of Killing It from Black Lawrence Press. Welcome to episode 49 of The Chatbook. I'm your co-host, Noah Stetzer. And I'm Ross White. Noah and I are directors and editors at Bull City Press, and we dig The Chatbook. We love chapbooks so much that we started this podcast to celebrate our love of chapbooks, to go behind the scenes of the publishing process, and to highlight the folks who make chapbooks, and today, the folks who write chapbooks. Hi, Ross. We're back. We're back. I just got back from a birthday party for a three-year-old. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I wasn't sure, should I be on my best behavior because the kid will remember it? Or can I just absolutely rage because he's going to have no idea when he's an adult? (laughs) I landed right square in the middle. I said three outrageous things (laughs) that might scar him for life. We'll find out. We'll find out. Well, I'm really excited about our guest today. I've been looking forward to having a chance to speak with this poet because I've absolutely loved the chapbook that we're going to be digging into, Killing It, from Black Lawrence Press. So I thought we would just jump in. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. So Gaia Rajan is the author of the chapbook's Moth Funerals, which came out from Glass Poetry, as well as Killing It, which is the one we're speaking of today. That's from Black Lawrence, and it's out this year. Look for her work at the Kenyon Review, Thrush, Palette Poetry, and and elsewhere. Guy is an intern at Poets House, journal editor for Half Mystic, and web manager for Honey Literary. Now, as always, go to the show notes for the full biography and, of course, links to all the items that come up in today's show. Welcome to the chapbook, Gaia. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. This is like one of my favorite podcasts ever, so this is a dream. Ah, oh, thank you. So, Gaia, the name of your book is Killing It, and based on this collection and Moth Funerals, you yourself are killing it. Was that the, was that sort of the statement of intent with this title? Not really, honestly. I tend to always choose titles that people can make jokes out of, but that's not on purpose. So really, when I was writing this book, I was thinking a lot about how I was erasing myself for the goal of achievement, you know, and I was thinking a lot about the violence of that achievement and the amount that I was erasing myself to get there and, you know, each of our individual tethers to that and also how much more free we could be if we all just let go of that a little bit. And I also came upon an Ocean Vuong quote around this time where he was talking about how the U.S. especially uses words of colonialism and violence to signify success. So we're thinking, you know, target audience, killing it, knock it out of the park, knock them dead. You know, there's a lot of words there that are just really, really violent that we just use in normal speech. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about how that connects to my own queer Asian identity and where I was going with that. So yeah, that's uh, most of the book. And it's just a lot of me thinking through the messaging that I'd lived with for so many years. One of the questions I have sort of off the top is, was this a, a collection that you had always considered for a chapbook format? Was this part of, or is this, or, or was this part of a larger project? You know, like how did it make its way from a collection of individual poems to becoming this collection in a chapbook format? So, you know, kind of both, Uh, you know, so I was talking to one of my friends about this, actually, I think in units of collection, not in units of individual poem. And so when I had the idea about killing it, it was as a complete work. I was thinking about perhaps a full length called killing it. And I went through 60 pages and I was like, okay, this is exactly how it's going to move in these 60 pages. These are the turns it's going to make. And then I started writing. 
And obviously the final book didn't actually hold to that. Almost none of it is from the original source work. But like, I was thinking of it as an entire book. And also at the time I was writing this thesis about hauntology and partition. And um, hauntology is an idea that Derrida coined, who was thinking a lot about how the past, I mean, the present is haunted by lost futures. And so I applied this idea to the idea of partition, which is an event, wildly violent event in India in 1947, India and Pakistan in 1947. And I was thinking a lot about my own family's complicity in this, you know, through generations and just interrogating that. And so, yeah, it was both part of this thesis. It was like a small, like it was a 75 page thesis. This was 60 pages of it. The rest of it was academic work. And then also it was its own complete unit. Well, I love hearing you say that you think in terms of complete units and then, you know, the book comes in just sort of just shy of what we would normally consider the page count for a full length, which is a basically arbitrary distinction based on spine width. But before you got here, both Noah and I were talking about the fact that our reading experience of this chap was the reading experience that that we normally associate with a full length, that this book had had dug in so fully into its terrain that I felt like I was living in it for a while, just in terms of the depth, the breadth of on both ends. So yeah, I don't even know that I had a question there. <laughs> this is the thing we were thinking about. Well, it's one of my favorite things that everyone has said about it. So I really appreciate that actually, because I'm a little anxious in advance of it coming out. I have like a week. And so this is really validating to hear. Thank you. Well, one of the things that we were talking about just before we got on the air and you joined us about your book is something that I noticed and 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 I think Ross picked up on too, which is the significant poem called Inheritance that's in the center of the book that actually sort of works as, the, in my experience, a, a real focal point, not only because of its length. I think it's seven stanzas. Yeah. But it's got a lot of things going on. On the craft side, I think that some of our, our, our listeners would love to hear you talk a little bit more about, but also as sort of how it functions in the center of the collection. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's okay if we could just ask you to talk a little bit about that poem. How did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. So around this time, I had two separate ideas. So I was writing the first stanza of this poem, and I kept workshopping it because I knew there was something there. I saw Jess Riz talk in Brooklyn, and one of my favorite tweets by her is when she's talking about one of her poems, and she starts like, yes, this is the original notebook draft. This is an inkling with teeth, you know? And so I had an inkling with teeth. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a poem yet. It wasn't really anything. And then also at the same time, I was writing this thesis about hauntology and partition, right? So I had the idea to make basically um, a poem whose form mirrored the geopolitical aspects of partition and the violence that it's wrecked upon families and entire cultures. The sonnets are uh, similar to the South Asian form of a guzzle, which is actually like a kind of song. We have sonnet crowns, which originated in the US, and sonnets, which are obviously from Britain. And so I was thinking about this, and I was like, okay, what if we made a guzzle crown? You know, none of these... Segments of the Guzzle Crown are actually strict guzzles. Like I posted this and I had to include a disclaimer just because a traditional guzzle ends with, so it ends with the same starting line. Right. Right. And I wasn't entirely doing that because then we would get way too circular. You would end up with a bunch of, you know, self-contained circles right next to each other. But in terms of how I wanted this to feel, I wanted it to move into itself more like a sonnet crown. It moves similar to a guzzle, similar to a sonnet, you know, and so I was playing with this and it's, possibly my favorite formal work I've done so far. Just because, you know, yeah, it was really exciting. Yeah, I can see why it would be because I everything that you're talking about are things that were sort of registering in the back of my mind as I was reading this, because I'm someone who 
finds himself in sonnets quite a bit when I do my own writing. And so I was like, oh, okay, wait a second. I know I'm in a sonnet space, sort of sonnet feeling space, if you will. And then I thought, of course, a little bit of the crown, but then the guzzle too was happening. And I thought, this is remarkable. You know, I, I think of it as sort of like spinning plates. You know, you just have a lot of plates spinning at the same time because, you know, as you describe how you attribute the different qualities of those different poetic forms really work really very finely well in this poem. Really, it's just a remarkable piece that I that I found myself reading more than once and found myself sort of living inside for quite some time. So kudos to you. I, I can see why it would be your favorite. It, it was really terrific to read on my end. Thank you. That's really special. Thanks. I want to talk a little bit about the ordering of the chapbook. This manuscript felt to me like it had maybe one of the most cohesive shapes or backbones of any chap that I've read in a while. And so I wondered if you would talk a little bit about how you discovered the order. I know you said that you had sort of a rough outline going in, but then that that mental map changed as you worked. Yeah, absolutely. So at some point while I was working on editing this, both before and after it came under contract with Black Lawrence, I started researching a lot about architectural designs and like, you know, structural integrity. And so really a lot of this book is, um, I was feeling like I was constructing something. I wanted it to feel when you were reading it, like you were building something physical. You know, I didn't want it to feel flouncy or flowy. It just, it, it needs to come together with a sort of rigor that took a very long time and a lot of experimentation. I can't say that there was, you know, I didn't have a set of rules. You know, I wish I had a set of rules, but I really didn't. I did the cliche poet thing of printing everything out, you know, and I was sitting on my floor. Actually, I was sitting in my closet with this large stack of paper at 2 a.m., just hello, you know, and I did that for, I think, like several months almost. It almost took more time to edit the ordering and the way that the collection moved than it took to edit any individual poem, except maybe The Guzzle Crown, which was forever. You said something just there about your method or, or kind of getting going behind the scenes with how you put something together. And it reminded me of an interview I found with you, I think at The Rumpus, where you talked a little bit about, about your writing life about being someone who writes at night and having a playlist. And, and I'm just curious, are you still a night owl? Are you still a writing night owl? I extremely still am. <laughs> a lot of the things in that interview are not true anymore, just because, you know, I moved to college, moved to an entirely different space mentally and physically, you know. But like, yeah, I can't write with music anymore for some reason. It just feels like too much input, um, especially for the poems I'm writing right now, which veer a little bit away from easy understanding towards something a little stranger, you know, and that's what I'm looking at with my next collection as well. Just, I codenamed it Afterlives. That's not what it's actually called. I know it's not what it's actually called, but I haven't come upon the actual title yet. But it's a lot more formal and intellectual play. And it's a lot, like I was really worried about being understood with this one, which I feel like is fair for the kind of collection it is, but it's not what I'm looking at next. Would you be willing to read us a poem from this one? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. So this is the title poem. It's called Killing It. My folks say hoping's good, but it'll never save you because in our Ohio, the best you'll get is broke televangelists and ravenous churches. My folks are bootstrap royalty, crisp in cuffed shirts and gold wedding rings that flash on a backhand slap. I was the prodigal daughter and then a prodigy. The child mothers prayed for, spelling bee queen, good at silence. In town, they say we don't deserve our breath, but we call ourselves holy anyway, because even gods have short memories. 
All my friends are bored waitress girls who fold tips in their skirts like scriptures and touch up smudged lipstick at the altar of convenience store bathrooms. We line our cheeks with drive-through grease and never talk about our bodies. Wait in the back seat for a damp god. Like all good disciples, we are grateful for our unmaking. We neon, we bleeding, leaving one by one for the red-eye shift. My folks believe in lotteries, not failures. The opposite of dead is exemplary. They believe this every time they abandon me, kneeling at their beauty, their model, their myth. My folks know all that is holy is only a failure of distance. White man, far enough away, turns to God. Sometimes when people say I'm killing it, I remember everything exemplary I know or ever will traces back to a small girl on the floor praying, please, please make them see me. Thanks. Beautiful, Gaia. Thank you. It's time for us to transition into our quick round. We've got some quick questions that are just waiting for some quick answers. Here's question number one, Gaia. Give us your ranking of the four seasons from best to worst. Oh, God. Okay. I think I'm going to go fall, summer, winter, spring. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah 100%. <laughs> yeah. There's no right answer, but that's the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> Question number two. Outside of writing, what's a pastime you enjoy? I'm really obsessed with my violin. I started super early and I was really doing concertos for a very long time, but also I used to busk in high school and I have really good relative pitch. And so I would just arrange, you know, pop songs on top 40 and it was really fun. Nice. Question number three. Who is your favorite writer born after the year 2000? Oh my God. Oh, I love this. I think right now, Kaming Chang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Question number four. Tell us about an indie bookstore that all of our listeners should absolutely check out. What's a favorite indie bookstore of yours? Highly, highly recommend Molasses Books in Bushwick. I'm obsessed with it because also, so it's a bookstore, but it also has the most beautiful seating areas and the best group of regulars. And so I used to go there every day after work and it was the best. And question number five, how do our listeners find you online? I'm at Gaia Rajan on Twitter and Instagram. And that's also the URL of my website, www.firstnamelastname.com. So that's G-A-I-A-R-A-J-A-N. Terrific listeners. We're going to have those links in the show notes for today's episodes. We've been talking today with Gaia Rajan, author of Killing It from Black Lawrence Press. Stay up to date with us by following us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Bull City Press or visit our website, bullcitypress.com. You can find me semi-sort of on Twitter. I'm at DC Noah. You can find me, I'm at Ross White. If you got a moment, let us know what you think. Rate us five stars. Send in your ideas, your questions, your suggestions, your recipes, <laughs> anything you want to send us. We're chapbook at bullcitypress.com. This episode of The Chapbook was produced by Noah Stetzer and edited by Molly Hart. Gaia, thanks for being here today. Thank y'all. This was the best. Thanks, Gaia. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Be sure to join us next time. <laughs>